Welcome back to the Away Days podcast. As always, Nate, that is I, joining you from in front of my ties and belts in my closet with the best sound in my apartment. And again, for the second time this week, Lath back again from his hiatus, trying to put in some overtime to maybe win some favors um, <laughs> from the from the head producer here. Uh, got done with our with our uh, one off soccer podcast yesterday. Now back tonight on the Tuesday night, and the reason we're back again and didn't do it all in one big go on Monday because we had to accommodate our nerd friend Ferg. Who is back? I was hoping it was going to be a one-off segment with him last week, but I unfortunately had to hire Lath again. Um, and hey, to Ferg's credit, you, you went kind of hard in the pick, so we had to have you back on um, to to react to some of the stuff that you gave some opinions on at the weekend. But welcome back to the first ever three-man podcast. Welcome, uh, welcome to the big show, Ferg. Thank you. It's nice to make history with the first ever three-man show. I'm ready to dive into the college football from this past weekend. Yeah, so uh, a quick rundown since the last time we we got a good bit of Lath roasting uh, in our last football pod when when Lath was was gone. But Lath, your chance now to explain to Fergus you so poorly explained to me yesterday what the hell you were doing that was so much more important than than facing the music on Auburn's four straight losses on the pod last week. Well, for some reason, and Ferg knows this, uh, I do not have a job right now, so. I had to get uh, drugged down to Savannah with my dad on business, which sounds a lot more important than it actually was. Uh, I didn't have any role really whatsoever in going other than I just had to tag along. So that's the biggest excuse I can muster up for why I had to miss the last pod. Also, uh, back, you know, back at the grandparents' house again for, for double duty this week, were they, were they like surprised when you rolled up to the door? Did you give them a heads up or, or like, I'm just kind of curious how that went down given that they're used to seeing you, you know, every Monday night. <laughs> no, nah, man, they're, they're old. It was just, they saw me again and it was like, they'd never seen me the, for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm kidding. No, I, I let them know that it was going to be a two parter this time and they're thrilled every time. So that was nice. Yeah, Walk well, got your uh, your Auburn beanie on. Ferg's got his his Michigan shirt on as he'll get to. I won't ruin his bit here that he's got planned. <laughs> um, at least Ferg comes to these dang podcasts with something he wants to talk about, unlike Mr. Land. So, uh, and I again really feels weird to be describing this on a uh, audio medium here. But I've got the Georgia shirt. Lay's got Auburn. Ferg's got Michigan. So we're all we're all freaking ready to talk about some college football here. And let's you know let's go ahead and dive right into it. I'm a little bummed that my anger and the frustration has probably subsided slightly in the three days it's been since the SEC championship game, but that's the only place we oh, got we'll to get, start. We'll get it stirred back up for you, don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you guys got a lot of secondhand enjoyment out of that, which is nothing worse in college football, really. And we're really in fandom period than people who take secondhand joy, the schadenfreude for you psychology folks out there. Just from other teams losing. Like, I get it if y'all had any remote connection to Bama. Like, oh, go ahead, sure. Like, but just because it's Georgia losing, that really that really upsets me. But <sighs> Bama wins, all not lost for Georgia. So I'll save my piece for the end because that's my, my positive thinking. It kind of projects beyond um, the next couple weeks. But from you two guys, go ahead. Have have your have your moment. What what what'd you see from Georgia and I gotta give some some props to you. You both had uh, you both had Bama in the picks, and I didn't. So, uh, what did you see? I guess going into it that that I didn't see. You want to start Ferg since you're going to get the most pleasure out of this. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely go first. Look, 
Georgia dominated their schedule. We all knew they would. This schedule, let's let's face it, it's weak. The SEC East is pretty bad. Now, part of the reason Georgia's schedule seems weak is because they don't have to play themselves, and they're the only power in the East. So their strength of schedule was really low. They hadn't faced an offense quite like Alabama with a QB talent like Bryce Young, who's definitely going to win the Heisman now. I put my mortgage on it. And I think he showed it in the Georgia game. Georgia's secondary hadn't been tested all year because they just feast on the quarterbacks with their defensive line pressure and linebackers blitzing. And they couldn't do that. Bama's offensive line protected them. Bryce Young had all day. He's he's relatively mobile. He doesn't like to run. He's a pass-first guy. And he just picked apart that defense who hadn't seen an arm talent like that all season. And he threw for 423 tutties, Jamison Williams, Absolutely exposing Keely Ringo and the other and the other DBs with multiple fifty plus yard tutties. Uh, it was a great win. Bama dominated start. Well, not start second quarter to finish line. And yeah, you get you got anything else to add, Lay? Yeah, you know, uh, going back to kind of the strength of schedule bit just for a little bit. I mean, this was a SEC East that had a Florida team that's really kind of on the outs. The coach gets fired. It's not very strong over there. A South Carolina team that's still kind of finding its identity with a new coach. So, uh, you know, not the most competitive league that we've seen in recent times. And kind of back to what you said just in the secondary, you know, this is a Georgia team. When you think, I mean, we've talked about it. It's an elite defense. Nobody's going to question that. But it's a defense that when you think of it, you think of the big guys up front or you think of the N'Kobe Deans, uh, the Jalen Carters, uh, the I can't think of his name, but the absolute six six freak that everybody Jordan seems, Davis. yeah, Jordan Davis that everyone wants to talk about, and you don't think of those guys in the secondary mostly because you know they haven't had to do much work this year. So when you put them in a role where really that's kind of there's no pressure, the offensive line's getting it done, and they have to make plays, uh, you know, it was a little difficult for them. Which I, you know, I, I, I it makes sense. I mean, this is a really talented Bama team. You don't want to take too much away from Georgia in that regard, but. You know, it was it was nice to see that kind of come to fruition, like me and Ferg thought. Yeah, it was. All right. <laughs> well, it, big inhalation here. So, obviously, there's no disagreeing with any of what you said. You all just stated, you know, the facts of, of what happened. Um, in terms of, you know, the, the secondary getting exposed, I don't want to put that necessarily on just, you know, one or two guys because from – I haven't gone back and watched the tape, but I've done a lot of reading um, of Georgia analysts that I really, you know, follow a lot this season. And the the basis of a lot of those articles was really the game plan didn't put the Georgia defense in a great spot to succeed. You know, Auburn and Texas A&M showed in their two games against Alabama, obviously the A&M beating them and Auburn probably should have with a backup quarterback on one leg. They showed the the blueprint to beat Alabama is to get pressure on Bryce Young and get him on the ground. I think both of them had at least six sacks in that game. Both of those teams rushed more than four consistently throughout the night. And I was a little worried going into I don't know if I said it on the pod beforehand or not, but I definitely like told people, you know, that I was talking to about this. I was a little worried going into the game that like surely like Kirby would would learn from that and do it because all season long we have not been a team that rushes more than four because we haven't had to. We've been able to get pressure with Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis and Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith, again, Adam Anderson, who's no longer with the team. So I was I, I had concerns that we weren't going to be able to rush them with four the way we've been all season. But I was like, surely he's watched the same. If I can see it, surely Kirby Smart has seen it and will bring more guys. And we really didn't for most of, of the night. Like Again, in, in one of these articles I'd read, 
you know, I think Georgia brought um, brought more than four guys, like less, you know, less than like forty percent of the time. Um, and then in those in those plays where they didn't, I mean, Fergie mentioned it. Bryce Young picked us apart, you know. And granted, a lot of that was to do with even if we had been rushing a lot of guys, like a lot of his success came on really quick passes that, like, you know, you just have to play good like coverage in that. Like, there's no real way to rush a quarterback if he's getting the ball out in in three seconds, you know. But it's just it was it was frustrating. Um, you know, yeah. Here's on the rewatch um, only. 20 okay so 22 of Bryce Young's 48 dropbacks saw Georgia rush only four so that's almost half is rushing only four um and one of those is actually a three-man rush which what's the hell are you doing rushing only three like you've got no chance because my thinking of it is and again I you know I don't get paid to do this you know we don't we don't even get a, a, a cent from advertising on this podcast either so like I'm not saying I know more than these coaches but the way I see it is you're right you talk about Jamison Williams absolutely torching the defense a guy like John Mechie who I think his first name is John, right? Is it John? Yeah. Um, yeah. Mechie, whatever. Tears his ACL, which everybody hates to see, but like he he's also, you know, unguardable at his best. The way I kind of looked at it going into it was like, you know, if you give Bryce Young time, it doesn't matter how many guys you drop, those guys are going to find a way to get open. So you might as well bring the house because, like I said, they're good enough to get open on a double coverage or a safe zone anyway. So you may as well go man up. And try to get and try to get to Young before he can get the ball out. I don't know if if either of y'all agreed with that, but like I just just the pressure. Like literally, I'm standing in the bar with I kid you not, probably thousands of people around me at this bar in Atlanta. That was more of a more of like a, a carnival venue, like tents and the whole nine. But like watching it on a on a big jumbotron. But I'm literally screaming at the top of my lungs, like pressure, pre-, like we're not getting pressure mid play. So that was that was super frustrating. Yeah. Uh- I agree with that. And, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, I mean, let's just say it's good that y'all had Brock Bowers because that man is a beast and kind of took over uh, in the passing game. But, you know, the Georgia run, it was there a little bit. It was there a little bit more than I thought it would be. But, you know, it was another situation where they had to pass. And I I, want to hear your take on this. I've heard – I've talked to a lot of Georgia fans since the game, and everybody keeps saying, oh, if we had just taken out Stetson Bennett and put in – uh, JT Daniels, then we would have had a much better chance. But I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Stetson Bennett extended some plays with his legs that would have resulted in fourth downs or punts early on, a two or three of them mm-hmm. that straight up would not have been the case, in my opinion, with JT Daniels. Interested to hear what your thoughts on on that. Yeah. Real quick, before I get on that, this is the one stat I actually pulled up this article to look for. Um, so, yeah, when Georgia rushed five or more, again, real fast, Bryce Young was one for eleven for twenty-four yards. Just throwing out out there. If the rematch happens again, maybe Kirby will actually know what the hell he's got to do this time. But to your point, this isn't this game is not Stetson Bennett's fault. Like any Georgia fan that you're talking to that thinks a starting him was the wrong decision, or b even worse that if they had put in JT at some point in that game, that solves the problems. They're wrong because. This game now, now did Stetson do much to win us the game? No, but he also is never really gonna do that. To be right. fair, which brings up a bigger question of whether or not you think you can win a national championship when your quarterback is not even the fifth best player on your team. I mean, you just look at the past. I mean, you can go back just about as far as you want to as the past several national champions have had special players at quarterback, and it's clear that Georgia has a good one, but special I don't think would be the word to describe him. Um, but no, like, 
there's a reason Georgia has started him basically the entire season at this point. Um, again, what he provides with his legs, I think, is really crucial in close games because, like, again, you say the point – I made the point about, like, special quarterbacks that win national championships. They're also all, for the most part, relatively mobile. Like, even Joe Burrow could get you mm-hmm. a 25-yard scramble and a slide when he needed to. So, um, that move, that maneuverability in the pocket is huge and being able to get out and, and just – because against good teams and good defenses, there's always going to be a play where the defense has everybody covered, and you got to have the trump card of being able to get out of the pocket and get some yards. So, I think Bennett's only real mistakes were just the interceptions. You know, and both of them were are, are on him. You know, like uh, forcing a ball on the first one that he that he just shouldn't have thrown. I think a check down was available, or at least just throw it away rather than try to force something like that. And then the the pick six, he just straight up never sees the guy who comes and yeah. gets it. Um, so. Classic NCAA safety come, come crashing down from over the top when you're playing video games. You just don't see that guy at all. So, uh, but yeah, um, I, I I don't put this on Stetson Ferg. What, what about you? Yeah, I agree with you. I, I mean, look, at the end of the day, Stetson is just a game manager. He's really not going to win the game for you ever. That's just not, he's just doesn't make mistakes. And usually they can just pound the ball and the play action's open because they've been running the ball so effectively. And they're usually not playing from behind, you know, because the defense only averaged like seven points allowed per game, like throughout the 12 games they played this season. So I really don't think it's fair to put any sort of big time blame on him. Cause yeah, say he didn't throw the pick six. Well, hell Alabama still had over 30 on the board at that point anyways. And Georgia wasn't going to get to that mark with the way their offense wasn't able to run the ball quite like they wanted to. So yeah, and, and Lay, your, your point, yeah, JT Daniels, eh, I don't think he'd come in and change the game either. I think the game really just – it ended up in a big win for Bama because Georgia's defense just really didn't play their game. And if they brought pressure, like Nathan added with that stat, one for 11 when they brought pressure, um, it probably would have been a different result if Kirby actually realized that and started bringing more guys. But at the end of the day – it's an L, but you got a chance for a rematch if you can get by Michigan. And, and we all know Bama's getting by Cincy, so we don't even need to go into that. But <laughs> hopefully hopefully Kirby has the football IQ to make those adjustments and we can see a much more competitive and entertaining game. Ferg says hopefully with his fingers crossed behind his back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, to, the, to, to, to turning it forward um, to the next few games, there's a few, you know, I, I was mad at the end of this game. But I wasn't like a lot of Georgia fans who were just so like hyperbolic. And I granted most college football fans are, but I saw a lot of the positives going forward from this immediately after. Honestly, what made me the most mad about this game is just the fact that it's Alabama. Like a quick aside, Georgia's 0 7 against them since 2008. Uh, this has been the most beatable Bama team in years. And yet they're about to go back-to-back Heisman winners and really are one game away from going back-to-back national champions with a team that should have lost to a 500 Auburn team. Like, if 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 this Bama team was just as good as last year, it really it honestly would not bother me because you don't beat teams that are that good. But the fact that this team, like, they can be so far off their standard and still go win a national championship. Meanwhile, Georgia has the best defense they've had under Kirby Smart, and it's and it's not enough. Um, but positives for Georgia to take away from the game, first of all, and then what it means going forward. One, I think two things really turned the tide of this game that, that if they don't happen, we're talking about a much different ballgame here. And obviously in any football game, we, we know having played it and watched enough, 
in most games, even some blowouts, three or four plays make a difference. You know, a turnover, a special teams play, or, you know, something. There's there's usually only, like, you can say that about just about any game where, oh, if you just took these two plays out, it changes. Like, obviously, I know that. But the key moments in the game I want to focus on are Alabama's last possession of the first half, their first possession of the second, and that pick six. So when Georgia ties it up, I think it was 17-17, um, late in the second quarter, literally all I was saying to anybody that was within earshot and willing to listen was, I am like, obviously we started 10 to nothing and I would have been, you know, preferred that we held a lead, but I would have been thrilled with getting to halftime 17 all. Just get to the half. I don't know how much time was left on the clock when Bama took the ball um, for that final possession, but I was like, just get off the field, get in the locker room, and we'll be all right. Because you guys both have, I know, anybody who's played, again, NCAA 14, NCAA whatever, Madden, Everybody knows that the most important possessions in those video games and in real football and close games is the last one before the first half and the first one before the second, depending on who gets the the kick. So I knew we got the ball first, so Bama was getting it to start the second half. You just can't put yourself in a position to go down two scores and your offense never touched the ball in them. You know, if Georgia gets a stop going into the half, it's 17 all. At worst, Bama goes right down the field and scores second half, and you're just down seven. But the fact that you go from tied to down 14 with your only snap on offense being taking a knee to go to the half, like that just, that's killer. Like you almost can't survive that. But Georgia did, though. Like the defense who gave up 24 points in the second quarter all of a sudden starts getting stops in the third and fourth. Like in that late third quarter, beginning of the fourth. They got four or five stops in a row where the only times Bama scored was on that pick six. And so I just kept telling myself during that, I was like, okay, like if we can get a stop and a score and a stop, you're just, you're right there. Like, you know, just get to a one possession game and then anything could happen. But Georgia was never able to do that because as soon as the defense started picking up some weight, the offense just couldn't find anything anymore. So, you know, great teams, you can survive one unit kind of dropping the ball, but like you can't have one, you know, they they've both got to be on at one point in the game if that makes sense. The offense was working in the first half, second half didn't have it. Defense got run in the first half and then in the second half is just too little too late to try to hold on, but um so that that pick six was was killer. But last thing I'll say about about Georgia, again, they get big blue Michigan down in Miami. Um I think you know, Michigan's definitely going to have more fans at that game because I think I, I mean if Georgia fans are like me and a lot of ones I've talked to were too scared to go down there and and like we definitely want to win first and foremost and if we do we want to go to the national championships like I'm not forking over whatever money it's going to take to go down to Miami if I'm planning on going to Indy but speaking of that Ticketmaster can go fuck yourself how expensive those tickets (laughs) are right now like golly but that aside Georgia has I think Michigan matches up really well for, for Georgia to, to do well in this game because Michigan, and we'll talk about them and how well they dominated Iowa, honestly, next. I'll let you have the reins on that, Ferg. But from what I've seen from them, Georgia's number one weakness on defense is big plays. That's what Alabama was able to do. And from what I've seen from Michigan, it just doesn't look like they really can score without running six, seven, eight, nine plays because they're just a team that likes to run the ball and they don't. They, they're like Georgia. They don't have a game-breaker at quarterback. He's going to manage that game, try not to turn it over. But he's not going to dump one 60 yards over your head and play the fight song. So um, I think I think a month from now, 
that I mean Georgia's going to sit on this loss for for 20 days, man. And it's and I, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't want to be the team that's got to face Jordan Davis that center on the first snap. So, uh, but with that said, Ferg got the Michigan shirt on for a reason here today. They took care of business against Iowa. Yeah, it was. You saw some great um, – ex- cu- there was a couple of explosive plays. I think Blake Corum had like a 70-yard touchdown run. Then they had like the trick play. But, yeah, I agree with you. For the most part, they just kind of grinded out touchdown drives that take, you know, seven, eight plays. But they did have a couple of explosive plays. And, and the defense showed up, holding Iowa to three points, forcing some turnovers. Now that defense is real. Aiden Hutchinson with the player of the game, he had like t- – I think he had like ten tackles, a sack, and like seven QB hurries. Something crazy, uh, but yeah, their defense is for real, just like Georgia's. Um, I know they had a little drop off in production against Bama, but I mean it's Bama, so yeah, I think the defense is just really, really dominant. And Iowa couldn't do anything on them. Uh, the quarterback couldn't do anything. They couldn't run the ball. I think they only had like a hundred rushing yards. Michigan's defense really hit them in the mouth and made them lay down pretty early. And the final score, forty-two to three, indicated that. Yeah, uh, to be fair, and not, this isn't taking anything away from Michigan's defense because it is elite, and Aiden Hutchinson is that guy. But, you know, this Iowa offense, I've talked about it early on in our podcast. It is Stone Age, archaic, as old-school football as it gets. And we've shown they've shown in recent games, other big games they've had this year, it just doesn't work. So, yeah, all credibility to Michigan. Hold them to seven points is still a big deal, but they're going to see a different offense when they face the dogs. So that'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, I'll echo that. Like, like, I didn't get a whole lot right picking games this week. Well, I did on our, like, bowl picks where we literally picked every single – or, excuse me, not bowl picks, conference championship picks where we actually picked literally every single game. But in terms of games I bet on, you know, I was hurting. I was over for much of the day. But the one saving grace was I knew Michigan was going to go in there and beat their ass. Not so much so because I think Michigan's world beaters, but that Iowa team – that's got to be the worst team to ever play for a Big Ten Conference title. Like, <laughs> they – they can't score like they straight up my one and it's weird that my one drawback that makes me believe this so wholeheartedly is actually a game that they won and a game that I won money picking them was that Penn State game at home you know back in October they are getting absolutely shut down at home by a Penn State defense that as we've seen by what they've done the rest of the year is like shaky at, at best you know they're not one of the better teams in that conference I mean well, I guess they are, but that's just because the bottom of that conference sucks so bad. But anyway, Iowa doesn't even come close in that game if Penn State's starting quarterback doesn't get hurt because Iowa basically, you know, I guess their defense is better than their offense, but that's not saying a whole lot. They weren't going to stop too many guys, and then that offense just can't keep up with, with molasses. Like, they're they're not – I know Ference is a great coach, but that those Iowa teams have only really been good when they've had a – a solid quarterback and then like a freak NFL tight end like they get with Kittle and some of these other guys. But like this Iowa team wasn't it. And I knew like tough, tough break for under betters because like you'd have thought in this Michigan-Iowa game, like, hey, two, one really good defense, one solid defense, and then a terrible Iowa offense that it would have hit the under. But Michigan just scored that much that it actually um, still tipped the over. But I knew Michigan was going to run them, and, and they did for sure. Yeah, and Michigan, I think they scored a lot late, right? Wasn't it like still 28 yeah. to 3 or, so, or 28 to 7 at some point, and they kind of put on some points mm-hmm. at the end, if I'm right? Yeah, yeah it, it was 21 to 3 going to the fourth, and they scored 21 more in the fourth. Okay. Yeah. 
So, but again, one of those where like, and I didn't, I kind of watched the rest of those games through a drunken haze as I was sobering <laughs> up and feeling horrible about myself. Um, but that was, it felt to me anyways, that that game never felt like, yeah, it was close-ish, but yeah. you never, if you watched that game, you never thought yeah. Iowa was going to no. do a whole lot. Like, Mm-mm. again, not with... Not with uh, Hutchinson and Ojabo. Is that the other the other yeah. bookend of that of that front seven? Yeah, like those those guys are legit. But what do you make of um, so the Heisman invitees came out? I know that we didn't put this on the pod notes here, but like right, it's Bryce Young, Kenny Pickett, Hutchinson is one, right? Yeah, yeah, and CJ Stroud. Yeah, we don't think he has any real chance of winning it, do we? No, I think we're all in agreement at this point that it's going to be Bryce Young just with resume of what he's put up and, you know, where, where the team is right now, but. And, and what he did in the biggest moment of the season, yeah. knocking off Georgia. So that's really what it always comes. There's always like a signature moment, a signature win and throwing for 400 yards against the vaunted Georgia defense and uh, a critical win that sent him to the playoffs. He's got the Heisman locked up. It's a, there's really no need for a, the other three to be there, but you know, you got to have some other people, but it's, yeah. it's hurts. I, uh, I had C.J. Stroud plus 200 to win the Heisman going into the Michigan game because I was hoping mm. uh, he'd handle it. Well, as a Georgia fan, I was actually hoping Ohio State would lose, but I was thinking he would handle the business there. They'd go to the Big Ten Championship, do exactly what Michigan did to Iowa, and then we'd be having the same conversation about him. Um, but, yeah, we see how well that worked out. But elsewhere in the conference titles, the only other um, game of real interest, but it was an awesome game to watch um, that I caught the the end of as we were getting ready to – I was already in the bar at this point, getting ready to watch the Georgia game. But Oklahoma State, a literal inch away from causing probably the most chaos we've had in the college football player playoff era in terms of the committee's decision they were going to have on their hands. And boy, am I glad. At the time, I was like, no, no, we need Oklahoma State to win because I want to make sure if Bama loses that with two losses they're absolutely out. Looking at this, though, and who knows if, if – if I don't think Georgia would have been the team to to drop out for Oklahoma State, but one of them would have, and I'm just glad that that decision didn't have to be made. Yeah, you know, just getting in on this game real quick, I know Berg mentioned Gundy Gang last week, and I think we all put Baylor going into the game, but, man, I I really questioned the play calling in that last drive. You know, it's it's first and goal basically from the one or two. This is where championship of all this is where it comes out. And you've 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 missed your number one a thousand yard rushing running back. He's out for the entire game. Your most dynamic runner is your quarterback and Spencer Sanders, and the most experienced runner on your on your roster. Yet you go two straight running plays with your backup running back, a passing play, and then to end it another kind of outside run with once again the backup. I mean, I don't know. In my mind, why not a sneak? Why not a kind of a power run or read? I don't. That's just. Really, they, I think they really should have come out with this one, and it was a little bit frustrating. I know we picked Baylor, but at that point, I was kind of rooting for him. I was letting the old Oklahoma State uh, bias kick in, and I started pulling for him <laughs> <laughs> to pull this one out. But, yeah, what did you all think of the play calling? I thought it was pretty bad. Um, I thought, like you said, Sanders was a like, more experienced runner. I thought they should have done a lot of like passes where he's rolling out where he has an option to run or throw. Hmm. But obviously Gundy disagreed, and and the execution at the goal line was pretty piss poor all game. I, I know in the third, in the I think it was both times in the fourth quarter they had two possessions where they had first and goal at the one, and 
from those two possessions, they totaled three points. The execution wasn't there. The play calling was pretty fucking horrible. Uh, (laughs) Oklahoma State definitely should have won this game. It it, it sucks, but, you know, at least now we don't have to – we didn't have to have the debate, and then one of them would have been pissed, whether it be Georgia or Oklahoma State. But, yeah, the execution was bad. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it it seemed like they ran – I mean, I'd be curious to know the total number of plays they ran inside the 10 even because I think it's more than just those two drives in terms of how many times they got inside the 10. Um, Yeah, horrible – Horrible execution. It reminds me of a Georgia-Florida game from, I think, a couple years ago where Georgia, I think, ran seven or eight plays out in a goal-to-go situation and mm. didn't score. Now, luckily, that was a game yeah. that Georgia ended up winning. But, like, you know, it was three straight, then a flag at the end, bought them a new set of downs, and they couldn't do anything again. Like, uh, that's just literally the football equivalent of banging your head against a wall is exactly <laughs> what watching that felt like. So, um, And I'm with you. Like, you know, Coach Gundy, he's a, I mean, he's a great coach, but – you got to think with your quarterback, especially being as big and physical as he is, that like you just pull. I mean, we see Cam Newton walk into the end zone on these where you just snap it to him, put his front hand on the guy in front of him, and just kind of feel for that hole until he's into the end zone, you know. Yeah. But they uh, weren't able to get it done. But hey, credit to Baylor. Like, I have no idea what the preseason betting odds on, on Baylor to win the Big 12, but I doubt they were inside the top four or five. So. Big, big get for Dave Aranda, um, coaching those guys down there. And looks like he's at least going to be there for uh, for the next few seasons anyway. So, yeah, for Baylor, big win. And, again, that. but I brought up the point about the preseason odds, which I have – I don't really have a ton of information on this. I tried to do a little research, and it's actually harder to find after the fact than you'd think, you know, going back to find preseason uh, conference odds. But between Wake Forest, who, again, was playing for it, they didn't win. Um, again, Utah, who I think was outside the top three in the Pac-12 to go and win their conference – Utah State, I know nobody actually cares about uh, Mountain West or whatever that is, but they were huge underdogs preseason. So a lot of teams that didn't necessarily expect to be there at the beginning of the year, um, getting things uh, getting things done in their conference championship. And that brings us to the to ACC and Pitt. Ferg, I'll defer to your expertise here. Um, 
Pitt looked like looked from my perspective. You know, I watched a couple of the games. They beat Tennessee early on. Um, Kenny Pickett having obviously a Heisman campaign. Are, are they? I guess are they the are the deserving winners of this conference? To me, it yeah, I think they are. They pretty much dominated the ACC all year. Kenny Pickett had a Heisman caliber season all year. He led the ACC in passing yards. Um, and yeah, I mean, Wake Forest is a decent matchup. You know, we expected a super high scoring game, and especially with Sam Hartman and some weapons they have, At Perry and some other guys. And initially, that's what it looked like. It was twenty one fourteen at the end of the first quarter. Like, damn, like we might hit a hundred points in this game, and then. The defense and of Pitt and then Sam Hartman's collapse, it, it pretty much made it inevitable for Pitt to win this game. Wake didn't score after the first quarter. It was 21-14 Wake after the first, and the final score was 45-21 Pitt. Hartman threw four picks, and he had like three in like the last uh, few drives he was in. They ended up pulling him because he was just mentally just – he was out of it. He, hmm. I guess he hadn't really seen some adversely like that. And yes, I think Pittsburgh's a very deserving ACC champion this year, and Kenny Pickett deserves it. So I'm happy for those guys. And sucks for Ivan Moore though. And he also he got he got lit he got lit up on a punt. I don't know if anyone else saw it. I saw that. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Uh, for context, oh, Ivan Moore, a guy we all played high school football with. So uh, shout out to the Demon Deeks punter there. Yeah, this was another one of those games. It was really a battle of quarterbacks because. You mentioned there was defense at the end of this game, but when you go into a shootout like this or there's a shootout game, it, a lot of the times it comes down to which quarterback performs better in key moments. And obviously Kenny Pickett's a guy that's performed like that all year. As much as I like watching this Wake Forest offense, Sam Hartman was just not himself in that second half. Yeah. Again, this pit was one. I was kicking myself for the betting for a lot of reasons, but, you know, again, I went I went 0 for 3 on a couple that we're get, we'll get to in a little bit, but – one that I had a good feeling about was that Pitt was going to handle this game because just you do the simple math of of one and a half versus one, and what I mean by that is you know look at Pittsburgh and Wake both have a good offense. There's your one for each team. Pitt doesn't have the greatest defense in the world, but it's damn sure at least like has a pulse, which you can't say the same for Wake Forest. So give half a defense to Pitt, honestly, maybe even a little negative something for Wake. So like the simple math there just kind of made too much sense for me, but I didn't end up taking Pitt. Uh, just got caught up in, in whatever was going on Saturday. So I was kind of kicking myself for that. And that perfect talking point for the one I was really kicking myself over. Cause it was even easier math. And I didn't actually have getting drunk on Saturday to distract me uh, from taking this Utah you tell me, guys. I was the only one to pick the Utes in, in our pre-pick of what part of a team that just got done not 13 days prior, beating their ass by 30, what made you think anything other than the exact same thing was going to happen? Because that's what did happen. I'll tell you what made me think it was going back to the 2019 Auburn-Georgia game. We come off beating y'all, what, 49-7, to and then come into the, the SEC championship and lose 28-21, granted without our starting running back, but... I don't know, just the whole mantra of it's hard to beat a good team That twice. doesn't exist, though. That is a figment of your imagination, that whole mantra. Like, that's that's cap. People say it, but that's cap. It is. Mm, I don't know about that. And I that. will say it. I will stick to that if it becomes a Georgia-Alabama national yeah. championship. I will. I will. Like, I'm not saying – I don't think it will be any harder for Bama to beat us, not because of some saying. The only reason it might be harder is because Georgia's had the month – to, to watch the tape, but Bama's had that same month too. But anyway, we're talking about Utah here. Sorry, I'm jumping down your throat here, Lay, but but you're wrong here. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I don't know. I, I disagree there, but it, it came down to just they physically just imposed their will on them. 
the same same scenario from the first game. They just I don't know. They just ran the ball, went a lot of jumbo sets, two even three tight end sets, and uh, Oregon could not keep up with it. And just while on the subject, just shout out Utah real quick. You mentioned Utah State getting the Mountain West Championship, and then BYU being what number eleven in the in the nation right now. That state really plays <laughs> its football, and it showed this past Saturday. Yeah, I mean. I took Oregon too for the same reason as Lay. I was like, okay, surely Oregon's a good enough team to not lose the same team twice. But, but yeah, that's up for debate. Um, I'm not super, oh, that's definitely a thing or it's definitely not a thing. But I, I, I do think Oregon, I didn't think they would come out and play this shitty. I mean, 38-10, they got absolutely dominated. They had wanted no part of Utah. Utah really imposed their will. Oregon only had 220 yards of offense. Then they had turnovers. It was not meant to be. It was Utah's night. And now Utah's smelling the roses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they chased Oregon's yeah. coach away, which we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. No, the Utes. Because what, what would we – they they done set them program back 10 years <laughs> 10 or whatever years. we used to talk about uh, when we were play, in our playing days. Oh, yeah. So, um, nah, for Utah, yeah, hats off to them. I mean – the only really at the end of the day, you got to say it. Probably the only solid team in that entire conference, really, because uh, Utah Oregon ends the season with three losses, back to back beatdowns against Utah, and a loss to a three and nine Stanford team. Um, USC crap, you know Washington crap, Oregon State garbage. The fact that I even have to throw them in there is one of the first teams I think of shows you where that conference is at. So Utah really, really holding up the Pac-12, um, representing. Um, too bad they had their own dumb loss in the middle of the season to keep them out of the playoff contention. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, 38-10, 38-7 two weeks ago. So, yeah, no no surprises for me there. Again, I'm just just pissed I didn't bet on it because I knew it was going to happen. So, uh, so, yeah. All right, so before we get full into the betting far- part, I almost said the betting fart. We had enough of that on the last pod <laughs> or two <laughs> pods ago. Um, and I know this is this part where Lay – is getting more and more interested, but he's still, this will probably be a me and Ferg heavy segment. So Ferg, I'll ask you to keep this monologue as brief as you can, which knowing you is not going to be brief, <laughs> but an update on a couple pods ago, you, you officially reopened your recruitment, decommitting your football fandom from Georgia tech. Um, you, you have, you have an update. You posted your graphic, your shitty edit on Twitter of the two schools. Um, so who, who's your top two on, on the Ferg recruiting? All right. Here? So my top two officially are the Michigan Wolverines and the Alabama Crimson Tide, who interestingly enough, Bama just beat the shit out of Georgia and Michigan's the next team in line for Georgia. And should Georgia get past Michigan, they'll be seeing Bama again. So I'm covered. So and whoever beats Georgia, that's my team. I will officially lock in. I will sign my letter of intent to that program, whoever beats Georgia in the next time they play. And if neither of them uh, beat Georgia, then uh, I'm just not going to be a football fan regardless anymore. So that's where my head is at. And again, I'll reiterate, this is just until Jeff Collins gets fired. This is just temporary. But in the short term, it would be nice to have a team that's actually worth watching and doesn't make my head spin. So, yeah, that's where we're at. So, so that's all it's going to take is just beating Georgia. I mean, they're going to be pulling out all the stops for you, Ferg. You're you're a coveted fan. So, anything else you want to see that might sway your final nah, decision? I, I'm locked in. I'm respect my decision. Prayer hands emoji. I'm locked in. Michigan, <laughs> Bama, nothing else. All right. Yeah. 
you got it. You typed it up. You put it. You posted a screenshot of your notes page on your on your <laughs> with, iPhone with a bunch of with um, a bunch of grammar errors. <laughs> yeah, no, I was about to say you got to call it. Uh, you got to call it Michigan University in like yeah. uh, Crimson Tide, Alabama, or whatever. <laughs> I saw a guy today announce that he got an offer from Georgia, and he called it Georgia University, and he had literally added at Kurt at Coach Kirby Smart UGA. Like it's right there, my guy. It's not. It's not Georgia University. <laughs> Um, Auburn University is basically your basic ass if university's after your name. Sorry. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> um, with that said, though, Ferg, you're hoping your your two new teams won't take L's to Georgia, but you did take a fat L in the betting again. Walk us through your week here, because I know it started on a sour note with Oregon on Friday night. How, how do how did we shake out? First of all, what, what uh, did we, we end ended up? up- well, Positive, all right. Negative? So I had a I was up forty last week, so I was in the bubble, so I didn't cash out, but I. Currently, right now, I'm minus 20, so that means I was down 60 bucks on the entire weekend. Um, and it started with an L. I, I took I took all 40 of my bucks that I was up and put it on Oregon plus three because, like I said earlier, I was pretty confident that they'd bounce back and not have a repeat performance in the first game against Utah. But they got absolutely curb stomped. And luckily enough, I was smart enough to realize when well, Oregon's not going to do anything tonight, and Utah's really got them. And so I hedged with a live bet on Utah minus 13 and a half to kind of salvage some losses. So I ended up winning 20 bucks on that. So I only lost 20 from that game total instead of 40 without the hedge. And then let me get to Bama Moneyline. That was free money. I knew it. I'm sorry. I knew Georgia was going to lose. I, I mean, obviously, I can sound confident now. But I, I had a pretty good feeling Bama was going to come in there and win the game. I didn't know it was going to be like a dominant, dominant win, but – Bama Moneyline, I won like 70 or 80 bucks in total because I made two separate bets on it because I was that confident. And I really, I wasn't going to make a second bet, but Nathan was talking a lot of shit on Friday. And that just <laughs> made me want to sprinkle some more on there. And I'm glad I did, especially considering. Well, I'm glad I was able to help somebody. <laughs> and then um, let me, another win. Saturday was a good day, actually. Um, pit spread, I put like, what, I put 40 bucks on it or something like that on Pitt minus three and a half. And obviously after the second quarter, it was just domination from Pitt. And so that was a good, good bet for me. But then my $20 for $200 in winning parlay was fucked by Lay's Houston Cougars. I was not going to touch this game, but Lay was feeding me that rat poison all week about Houston's going to win. And it was a 10 and a half point spread. So I was like, Hey, you know, if they're good, Surely they won't lose by more than 10. And what do you know? They got absolutely dominated in the second half. It was 14 to 13 um, at halftime. Ended up being like 35-13 going into the fourth. It it was a piss-poor performance from Houston, especially in the second half. And that fucked my parlay. And then... Wait, so what were the other legs of that parlay? Like, is that the only No, yeah, it was. So I had Baylor plus six and a half, Bama money line. And then... um, Houston plus 10 and a half. And then so obviously the Bama money line and Baylor hit, but then Lay's Houston talk really fucked my parlay for me. I should have rocked with Michigan like you, Nathan. I should have known better. But anyways, I, I was doing okay at this point. Then NFL, I'm just, I'm done. I, I will boycott the NFL for good. I, I don't know if it's possible to have quite as shitty of a record betting in NFL games as I have, but I, I don't even remember winning. Oh, Lathe has it. Lathe has it too. Don't don't okay. worry. We'll... Don't act like your NFL record is that much better than mine hey, on here. Over five hundred is all is all I gotta say. Um, 
it's like granted, two three games difference. Maybe granted, more. we're 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 not picking ATS in the NFL, but it's the NFL, so most of the time the spreads are pretty low. But save save the NFL talk for a little bit because um, we're I want to talk a little CFP and God, this pod is is already running like super long, which is fine. Uh, we got we got some good stuff going here, but. Um, Real quick, just recapping my college week. I, like you, Fer, got off to a rough start. I had, uh, I did not have um, Oregon, obviously, but I did lose on Houston. I had them to cover. I had dogs, obviously. And then I had, um, I think it was like Kent State, too. I had, I had one of the random, more random games um, that didn't hit. Um, and then, again, was able to salvage it with, with Michigan a bit. Um, so, yeah kind of down overall in college and i had a big saving grace in the nfl that will that i will talk in a little bit but real quick before we jump to the pros um like like urban meyer here college football playoff rankings came out sunday at noon not much to debate right uh pretty much sticking with what everybody thought once oklahoma state goes down that really didn't leave the door open for for much decision making by the committee although i thought it was funny did either of y'all watch the the selection show didn't get to. I wouldn't have watched it if I hadn't been on a long drive back to to Augusta and, and you know just had a reason to stick my phone up on my dash and watch it as I was going. But um, they had like ESPN had reporters at Baylor and at Notre Dame and even at uh, like one other school who like had no chance of being there. But I guess they just wanted to make it was in those reporters' contracts. I guess that they got to work that show or something. Uh, I thought it was kind of funny. But um, then lastly, the coaching carousel just never stops, man. I feel like through the rest of the season, that's what we're going to be talking about in conjunction with these bowl games. Um, we talked at length about it, you and I, Ferg. Um, Lay's punishment for missing the pauses. He didn't get to talk a lot of those bigger moves like Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly. But the the doors opened by those departures a couple of weeks ago have now been filled at Notre Dame. Marcus Freeman, previous D coordinator there, and now you're going to sense a theme uh, with these hires here, all defensive guys for, were DCs at their previous jobs. Oklahoma, Brent Venables returns um, to, to his post um, now as a head coach, though. I didn't know he was at Oklahoma previous to that, but that actually wasn't super, super long ago. I should have known that. Um, but obviously he was the D coordinator at Clemson. Um, Virginia Tech, they they uh, get Brent. Also, common thing, good good week for Brent, <laughs> if that's your name. Uh, you got Venables and, and Pry, uh, previous DC at Penn State. Um, going over to Virginia Tech, so uh, – Lay seemed to think that was a hot job. Talking about how oh, all they they don't have to compete against anybody recruiting, or I, he he probably doesn't even remember this take he had because he hadn't been on the pod in a <laughs> month. But uh, and then lastly, Cristobal, another defensive guy um, coming over from uh, from Oregon. So I guess that's really the only discussion I kind of want to have here. Thoughts on I guess from from Cristobal's perspective. You know, is is Oregon or excuse me, is Miami an upgrade on on Oregon? We'll start with you, Lay. Um, you know, I I personally do not think it is. Um, you know, you see the money that goes into the Oregon program, whether it be the Nike founder or just how they just how they think about football in that program. They want to have success over there, and usually they're they're willing to shell out the money. And you know, the the board and everybody's all aligned in that. You go to Miami. One, this is a program that's going to have to recruit against Florida and against Florida State. Uh, and, you know, there's been, I think Kirk Herbstreit called it into question earlier this year, whether he even felt like the athletic director and the boosters were all on the same page about whether they wanted football to kind of take the front seat in terms of athletics or what they want that university to be about. So in my personal opinion, I don't think that that's much of an upgrade. 
I know I think he's had he has a history coaching with Florida, and that obviously plays a role in terms of relationships with stuff like that. But on the surface, I don't see this being too much of an upgrade, especially when you can be competing in the Pac-12 conference where there's not too much competition other than an incoming Lincoln Riley. So that's my thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Lay. I mean, being at Oregon, he, he was able to get a lot of those West Coast guys to stay home. And, you know, he, he's had some talent up there. And honestly, he really hasn't lived up to it. I mean, they had that one Rose Bowl in 2019 when they had Herbert and Thibodeau was a freshman. And I don't remember who they played, but they won pretty easy. And, yeah, I mean, and then now going all the way to Miami, competing with the likes of Florida and Florida State and recruiting, it's going to be a lot tougher to secure some of those high-profile targets that he had been getting at Oregon and not getting it done even so. And and not to say the ACC is good because it's, it's honestly down right now, um, but there is a lot more competition in, in the ACC as compared to playing Oregon State and Arizona and all those fuckers. So I don't know. I was never really a Manny Diaz fan. So, I mean, he may be better as a coach, but, I mean, I don't know if it's going to actually work out the way they think it will. Yeah, I guess what it comes down to for me is he did play his college football at Miami. Um, he's a he's a lat, Latino guy. Like he, I don't know if you saw it, speaking some Spanish at the press conference. Like unlike Brian Kelly, who's down here faking a Southern accent. Like <laughs> the fit makes sense uh, for Cristobal down in Miami. We'll just see if. And I like the guy. He seems like a good dude. But Miami right now seems like a coach killing uh, school. So. I hope I hope he doesn't suffer the same fate because football is better when teams like Miami and Florida State are, are playing better and we don't have Pitt versus Wake yeah, Forest God. in the ACC title game. So, uh, so, yeah, best of luck to him down there. All right, going to take a quick break, then come back with some NFL talk and the bet that saved my skin the most I've thrown on any one game and one. So uh, stay tuned for that. Okay, so NFL, Ferg. You say you're boycotting it forever. Which games was it that crushed your your confidence in your NFL picks exactly? Okay, so I was up, I was riding high off my Saturday winnings with Bama Moneyline and Pitt. I was up $82. So I was like, okay, you know, let's double or nothing this bitch. So I put all, <laughs> no, hindsight, no, it wasn't smart from like an actually like uh, being risk averse or whatever, but I was like, I was like, all right, I'm either walking away even or up 164. So I put, all 82 bucks on Bengals minus three and the chargers beat the brakes off those boys. It was 24, nothing. I mean, quick. <laughs> now the, the Bengals did muster up a little bit of a comeback, but then they were turning the ball over in the second half and could never get, get, um, take the lead from the chargers and the chargers ended up winning by like 20. So tough day with the NFL. And then I was back to even. So like, okay, whatever. But then I kind of wanted to ride with Nathan for a little bit. And see, I was going to bet the Ravens, but Nathan convinced me to take the Steelers, and thankfully he did. See, if I had leaned with my, my with my thoughts, I would have lost that too. But then, so I got the Steelers, but I also made a dumbass parlay that only one out of four <laughs> legs hit. And like, so now I'm also boycotting parlays altogether because I just never really have luck with them. Yeah, right. Okay, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm capping. I'm capping. But enough. Okay, NFL parlays. Fuck them. College parlays, I'm okay no. with that. Cause I actually, it's hard enough to pick one NFL game, right, much less two or three. I'm with you there. Yeah, so I was one for four on my parlay leg, but, but the Steelers bet made me uh, go back to even. And then I was like, fuck it, I'll just make a bet on the Broncos tonight to see if I can go uh, positive at all or stay at even. And, of course, the Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater, 
Oh, I thought they would cover eight and a half against the Chiefs because uh, the Chiefs, you know, been kind of shaky. And it looks like they were going to, but then Teddy, he threw pick six, and then the Broncos got away from doing what they do best, which is running the ball and the short pass game, and it really cost them the cover in this instance. So I'm also boycotting the Broncos. So NFL <laughs> and especially the Broncos are officially dead to me, and I'll also never bet against Pat Mahomes again, even though it wasn't really on him. Hey. You uh, you can bury the Broncos right next to the Bears for me because <laughs> I uh, I had them in a in a teaser a few weeks back. Where literally all they had to it was the last leg too. It was gonna I was, it was to win a decent amount of money. All they had to do was not get literally not lose by like twenty five to the Buccaneers, and they got beat like forty to three or something. Like that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, we all we all have a story for sure. Um, but yeah, you talking about the Bengals. That was one of my headlines that jumped out to me, and I felt like man, the AFC North is nuts right now. Um, the Ravens coming into it have, I mean, technically, I think they were the number one seed in the AFC or close to it at that point, definitely at the top of that division. Um, they go down in Pittsburgh. That was my big um, betting win of the weekend um, through, a, through a nice uh, – uh, I have an idiot friend who runs a book who, um, in his drunkenness after the Georgia game, was like, hey, do you want some free play? And I was like, yeah, sure. He's like, here's $250. I was like, all right. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, at least we, we finally made that work for us. Um but then, yeah, too, talk about uh, the Bengals who were looking really strong so far this season. It's something that I didn't necessarily see coming. I didn't think Joe Burrow would be quite what he is in that offense right now, especially I didn't see Jamar Chase you know, being probably by far, if it, not, if it weren't for Mac Jones, at lock for offensive rookie of the year. Um, but then they go and just get run on their home field uh, by the Chargers. So, yeah, Laith, uh, if I put, it, put a gun to your head right here, say who's winning this division – you know, after a couple of shaky performances from what we thought were the top two teams, who would you take? Ooh, uh, I think I would still go with Bengals uh, on this one just because, like you, I'm not a Lamar fan. And I think down the stretch, when he plays in some tougher games, I don't think he can pull them out to be on top of that one. But, you know, back to this, just I have a question for Ferg here. I know I'm not the betting guy, but when you sent that, uh, that Bengals Chargers pick, I was a little confused just because the Chargers, I mean, well, they're seven and five now. They're a team that could put some points up on you in a hurry. So, what was it about? Did you just like the matchup, or what about it drew you to kind of make this as one of your prime picks? I, I just like the Bengals. It's really that simple. I like Joe Burrow over Herbert, especially right now. Although I, Herbert's a beast in his own right, uh, I just was really leaning Bengals. And and I that was an op, option. I could have gone either way because I did like the Chargers, but there was no other game that really popped off the page to me, and I kind of thought that would be a fun one to keep up with but obviously it didn't work out yeah another uh fun one talk about fun to keep up with um i had a friend of mine um who uh is a big teaser guy like, it's basically all he does um because in theory that gives you a better chance of winning although he doesn't actually hit very many of them but last leg of his needed the vikings just to win but oh. no they concede the lions first win in a calendar year just about um, as they, I mean, hey, hey, hats off to those guys in Detroit. I love that for them. It was a crazy finish. I don't know if you guys saw the end, but um, kind of some not brilliant clock management at the end, but they survive it a bit and end up getting a chance to throw a couple passes into the end zone. And I just do not understand the coverage from the Vikings here. Oh. Why you even let guys, like if they cross the goal line, you you have got to be attached to them at the hip. Like why these Vikings safeties and corners created that little bubble for him to just run in and stop. Like, it's not really like he even ran a route. He just ran to that spot and stopped. 
and and credit to Jared Goff, he put the ball right on him. Um, but yeah, what if you know? I guess what did you guys think of of the Lions finally getting one in, in the win column? Because they were a team going into this season, I thought had zero and sixteen. You know, not written all over them because it's honestly hard to predict if that's going to happen. But like, I think they've been about as bad as as they are. You know, but but I, I was really happy to finally see them get one, even if it meant costing a uh, a bet for my buddy. Yeah, it was nice to see them get the wins because it can be demoralizing going through a whole NFL season without getting a win, especially later on. People start talking about tanking. You know, the pressure's there to try to get the higher pick. So to be able to get one kind of in the middle towards closer to the end of the season and get one going, that's good. But my biggest takeaway here was that the the Vikings are just all over the place. You know, there are games where they look really good. They look like they're a team that could be a playoff contender. And then sometimes they come out here and just lay an egg. And I, I don't know what what's going on with them over there. But that's my biggest takeaway. Yeah, yeah. I left, I texted in our group chat, never touch the Vikings because, like you said, they're so inconsistent. Uh, yeah, on their day, they could beat anybody in the league. And at, in yeah. the same note, they could also lose to a winless football team, which is what we saw this past weekend. And and I'd like to echo your point, Nathan. I saw the play. I didn't watch the game, but I did see the final play with Goff throwing the game when he touched on pass with time, uh, no time left. And, yeah, the coverage – they, they were all stacked up on the goal line and let them run right in. Nobody even on the five-yard line, like nothing. They just let them run right there and just stop. And, and Goff, yeah, to his credit, put a good ball in the end zone. But, yeah, I mean, there wasn't much of a route ran. It was just pretty poor play by the secondary and poor alignment. So alignment and assignment is what you really got to focus on, right, Nathan? Yeah, exactly. And to your point about the Vikings, like, they are just by far the most inconsistent team in the NFL because their highs are really high. Them and the Bills are the only two teams to have beaten the Packers when Aaron Rodgers played. Like they also lost to the Chiefs, but that was again with with old Jordan Love the goat um, <laughs> starting for them. So you know, at their best, capable of of hanging with the Packers, but at, on the other end, like again, you know, <laughs> you can't you lose to the the last winless team in the league. Um, so th- that kind of speaks uh, speaks for itself. And then I had in the show notes because I, you know, we were planning on recording this yesterday. But uh, that Bills Pats Monday night game, I actually didn't watch really any of this because I was kind of pissed off about fantasy. Uh, so, but I know it was like gusts of up to fifty miles per hour winds. So you had Mac Jones. I think only threw one pass um, th- for much of the game. Like I think it was very late in the game before he threw um, a couple more. But uh, just classic. Belichick, they know how to win those those games like that. Like if anybody's gonna adjust the best to to something like weather, like it's gonna be that team. And I want to put Lay under the spotlight here for a second because all season those Bills have been your your ride or die. I've asked you after a couple of their big losses, like, hey, are they still your team um, that you think has the best chance of coming out of the AFC? And you've stuck with them. But now seeing on the run that the Patriots have gone on, winning seven straight, covering seven straight, by the way, for the people like Ferg and I. You know, the Chiefs starting to look like they've gotten, you know, we're kind of back on, hey, don't bet against Mahomes again. You've got the Ravens and, and the, just whoever is going to come out of that AFC North. I'll put it to you again, Lath. I think you've really got to start questioning a little bit of this of this Bills fandom here now that they dropped to 7-5. and five. Yeah, you know, the Bills have disappointed me a little bit just because I thought that this year they would take the jump on the defensive side of the ball. You know, the offense has been there. We saw the connection with him and Diggs. And I'm I'm throwing this game away just because of weather. I'm not going to look too much into it. Uh, I mean, Mac, Mac Jones threw like three passes total, I think. So I'm throwing that one away. Bills, I think I'm still going to keep them up there. I still like them. But 
I don't know. It's been a little bit frustrating me to see them down the stretch just on the defensive side of the ball because that really seemed to be the area that if they got it fixed, they were going to be a competitor. So I don't know. That's that's just kind of the way I'm looking at it right now. All right, Ferg, you're shaking your head. What you got? Look, the Bills are seven and five. The Pats are nine and four. There's only four games left. The Pats are going to win this division, and then the, the Pats have another game with the Jags on on the table, and they also got another game with the Bills. They're definitely going to beat the Jags. They'll probably beat the Bills the next time around when it's in Foxborough. The Bills may make a pl- a wild card spot, I guess. I'm not. I know there's like three spots now, so they may still make that if they can win out outside of the Pats game. But I don't see them winning the division, and I don't see them going on the road and like making a run at a Super Bowl. I think they're uh, if they make it, they'll lose in the in the wild card round for sure. But I don't know. The Pats are really surprising. Belichick, he's got something to say. It's not all Brady. Belichick's a mastermind. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I will say to your point about the Bills, like they're sitting at seven and five. You look across at the standings. You know, if if they don't win that division, they're competing. All these teams are competing for three spots. Um, Chargers at seven and five. Raiders at six and six. Broncos at six and six. Bengals at seven and five. Steelers at six and five. Browns at six and six. And the Colts at seven and six. And that's not including teams that are winning their divisions currently. So, a lot of teams going to be be fighting for those spots. But a thing in the Bills' favor, they do have the toughest matchup of the week coming up against the Buccaneers. We're going to make a pick on that here to end the podcast. But then they get Panthers, then travel to Foxborough but then end the season with the Falcons and the Jets. So you got to think those three games against the, 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 the NFC South and then that division opponent, the Jets, to end the season, those are going to be must-win. Um, but then it's just a matter of if you can if you can grab one of those from the Pats or from the Bucks. But I still think, you know, I still think they probably get into the playoffs, but I'm kind of with you, yeah. Ferg. I don't, uh, you know, they're certainly not a Super Bowl favorite for me at this point. I'm still sticking to my guns on the Rams, um, and a little bit of the Buccaneers, who I've talked about a good bit on this podcast at this point. Although I will add tentatively the Packers to that list, just because Aaron Rodgers at his best, like he's we we. There's just not much to say. You don't have to say much. That's that's who the Packers are. So I know they had. I think they had a bye this past week, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. um, maybe getting that at a good time as they got to push uh, for for these last few games of the season. But before we get out of here, gotta recap. What was a nice weekend of picks, maybe not money wise, for me and Ferg. Although, again, shout out to Big Ben winding back the clock, getting a big, uh, big win for me there. But we couldn't make nine picks across the board in college football last week and not review them. Um, and despite Late's absence, he somehow found time to make picks and type them into the doc, even though he couldn't be on the podcast. But just want to. Uh, Set the record straight. And we'll, normally, I just kind of say the record, but I want to go one by one and really turn the knife on late here uh, <laughs> and maybe give a shout-out to Ferg here. But we'll starting off with just how we did in the college conference championship games. Western Carolina against UTSA. The Roadrunners were catching one-and-a-half points. Coincidence, Ferg and I both win this matchup. Lathe picked Western Carolina, or excuse me, Western Kentucky. They lose next. Oregon and Utah. Barely, We've barely gone lost. over that. Hey, they didn't cover, dog. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Oregon and Utah, or Pac-12 championship. We've gone over that at length. I was the only one to get a win there, starting a nice 2-0 and here for me. Next up, Big 12. We were all, all over that. Three picks for Baylor. I honestly thought once we made that pick, there was no chance they were going to win because we gave them the kiss of death. But no, they handle their business. 3-0 and start for me. Next up, Kent State and NIU. 
I think, again, I might have actually bet on Kent State in this. I bet on somebody that lost that was in one of these weird games. But I picked NIU, and so did both of y'all. So wins there. 4-0 start for the kid, and that's when things kind of start to take a bit of a turn. Um, in the Mountain West, Utah State, San Diego State, the Aztecs are five-and-a-half-point favorites. They handle the uh, the Aggies. Is that what Utah State is, I think? Yeah. Um, all of us had San Diego State. That was the kiss of death there. Um, App State, ULL, me and Lay taking L's. Uh, Ferg, the only one to ride with Coach Nape and the boys in his last game for the Raging Cajuns before he jumped ship to Florida. They get a win. Uh, yeah, UGA lost to Alabama. I put Alabama. Then uh, <laughs> Houston and Cincinnati. I was the only one to catch a win there. Real quick, what was what was the reasoning behind other than Late's rat poison as to why we, we didn't think Cincinnati was gonna? Because again, we weren't. We have the spreads listed here, but we weren't actually picking against this spread. This was all outright. What made you think Houston as ten point dogs? We're, we're going to win outright, just real quick. Yeah, Lay. Oh, you're talking to me. <laughs> I just picked him because you were one, hyping you're them. The one you were the one hyping them. Yeah, yeah, you were gassing them to me. Okay, this okay. This was a combination of me wanting to make up lost ground and also just, you know, going into the game, Houston had only lost, or they'd lost the first game of the season and had won 11 straight, and they were putting up points on everyone. The defensive coordinators being looked at for multiple positions. The tech position, I know Ferg knows about that. And you know, it's just a team that I liked a lot going into it. So right. that was that was my line of thinking on that. Fair enough. All right, all of us hit on Michigan, easy money there, and then all of us hit on Pitt to round out the uh, full records there. Ferg and I tied at the top, knuckle bump through the FaceTime there, seven and three record, and then Lath languishing at five and five. Loser. Again, not even ATS, Lay, <laughs> just straight up. That's tough. <laughs> Two games, and, man. We didn't actually pick NFL games last week. We will this time, um, but just to rehash, because Lay tried to act like his record in the NFL is something other than absolute dog shit. Let me try to find this and pull it up. Yeah, so I'm 15 and 14 in the NFL picks. Laith, uh, Laith, you have you have access to the doc. Why don't why don't you read uh, read your number there? <laughs> I I can't seem to find. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, well. Now 12 and 17. So once again, what is that? three game difference this isn't this isn't big margins here that's pretty big um three games i don't know three games that could have gone either way one of which was the pack pick the packers over the vikings inconsistent vikings win that game so the, a lot of these picks that have been going the other way have not been bad picks it's just right. been unlucky well here's here's your chance to uh to write the ship here and i, I guess we'll invite ferg to to have a go at these i usually write my picks and i actually forgot to leave a little space for us to write them in so this is off the dome here uh first one bills at the bucks that's the nfl game of the week sunday afternoon bucks three point favorites um at least as the writing of this um bills i think you're gonna be really motivated coming off of that monday night loss but i just don't think you can bet against tom brady and those guys at home Um, they don't have to deal with that weather up there down in uh down in tampa um they're in a spot in their season where you know, they win this game, they can really go on, and uh, you know that's a big momentum booster for them. So I like the Bucks. We usually have a score here, but since it's off the dome, I'm just going to say Bucks win. Uh, I'm going to go Bills, and I think it's just because they're in a more crucial spot than the Bucks right now. You that know, is true. We talked about we talked about them being a fringe playoff team, and it's kind of put up or shut up right now. So I'm going Bills. This is just one that they've got to get. Yeah, I like the Bucks. Sorry, Lay. Uh, I think your boys are about to crumble. Tom Brady pushing for the one seed. It's meant to be. Buccaneers roll easy. All right, next one in the wild 
AFC North, Ravens at Browns. Ravens looking to avenge um, that last road loss in the division, but going to have some PTSD. Again, just quick turnaround and playing against a Browns team who's had some hard luck this season but are coming off a bye, which I guess is why the Browns are, are one-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. I like – I'm a closet Browns fan. It's funny I say that as I'm literally in my closet. Um, but I, I have uh, I have some leanings toward the Browns, but this just – Baker's form has been super inconsistent. He's been banged up, had the issues with Odell. I think this is a big bounce-back moment for the Ravens. I like them to uh, to get a win in a close one, though. Yeah, you know, I'm tempted to go Browns here just because Ravens won the last matchup. I know you don't agree with that line of thinking, apparently, Nathan. Um, but I'm actually going to stick to the Ravens just because I think recently I've betted against Lenmar and it hasn't worked out for him. So I'm going Ravens. Yeah, I like the Ravens in this game too. I think Lamar's going to bounce back. I think they're going to put up some points against the Browns, and I don't think Baker's going to be able to keep up. Oof, three Ravens picks. Okay. Kiss well, of death. Kiss of death for sure. All right, and then lastly, um, battle for the top team in the AFC – or excuse me, NFC West – my team that I think is still my Super Bowl, uh, or at least up there among my Super Bowl favorites in the Los Angeles Rams, traveling to the Cardinals. Um, and again, this matchup we saw earlier in the season, the Cardinals handled the Rams in Los Angeles. And basically since then, that's kind of the Rams have been kind of up and down since that point. I mean, Matthew Stafford and the gang looked unbeatable going into that game and since have kind of come back down to earth a little bit. Cardinals, on the other hand, you know, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins both coming off of you know some absences. They both did play last week in their big win, um, but there's still some probably a little bit of question marks as to how healthy they are. I, I really have no reason other than just the fact that I like the Rams later in the season. Like my main reason for thinking the Rams have a good chance of Super Bowl is just I think in the playoffs they're going to be just they're just going to get better. So that doesn't really apply to this game, but for some reason. I don't know. I just know late's going to pick the Cardinals, so I'm going to pick the Rams just to get one over on them. Well, I don't – you know, I was going to ask, is Kyler Murray playing football again now? Like, are we going to see him in a full game from now on? So I mean, he did and, go off in fantasy in their win this past you know, weekend. So. I don't know. I just, I'm so used to seeing that he's not playing, he's not playing, or DeAndre's not playing. But, you know, I'm actually – I think I'm going to go Rams too just because it's – you know, last season with the Bucks it kind of looked like all the pieces didn't really fit together for them um, as things are early on in the season. And then late is when they really started to turn it around. I think we could see a similar scenario here. You know, Rams added a lot of star places, things. There's a lot of high expectations. Things didn't go the way they wanted to. Uh, I think the Rams are going to pull this one out. Hate to break it to you, Lay, but that ain't happening. I like my guy Kyler and Kingsbury to, you know, they have something up their sleeves on offense to, really go against that high power defense the Rams have. I think the Cardinals are going to widen their division lead this weekend, and I'd like the Cardinals to win outright. I mean, you're doing the thing that I absolutely would do in your situation after watching two people pick the Rams, like take the home team. I'm, w- I'm with you there. I, I w- would not be surprised at all if that's what happens. All right. Well, that wraps up our, our first ever threesome <laughs> on, the, uh, on the pod there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us as always. We'll see. Maybe uh, – We'll have to go back and listen to this tape, see how it goes. Uh, Ferg's still auditioning for any further roles with the pod, but I guess uh, I guess if he continues to beat Lay in the picks, you know, that's ultimately what we'll have to decide. Uh, you know, if he sticks around. But with that said, we didn't talk. I know we didn't talk a ton of bowl games um, today, but next week we've got just the Army Navy game, so that'll 
you know, open up some space for us all to do a good research and, and grind session to study the bowl games coming up. I know we're going to do a bowl pick them. Um, so be on the lookout for a, for a big bowl preview pod. We, we didn't leave it. We left it out of this intentionally. We're, we're going to have that, uh, that content coming up shortly. I know all six of you, three of which reside in Bangladesh or whatever <laughs> that care about this podcast. Uh, so yeah, catch us on the next one.